The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles. And I've been waiting for this moment for a long, long time. I have a special guest that I'm very excited about, Mr. Philip French. He is the Vice President of Network Engineering for Verizon. Philip, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on this show. I'm looking forward to a great chat with you. So, Philip, I'm, it's interesting to hear so many things about you and your organization and your leadership style, but let's start with your journey. You know, how did you get from where you are to where you are now and maybe some challenges that you overcame along the way? Yeah, it's a great question. My journey is probably not as traditional as a lot of executives in uh, bigger companies. So I use that to my advantage, especially when I'm doing mentorship. So a little bit of background, I started getting out of high school, like a lot of young children, trying to figure out what I want to do when I grew up. So I ended up joining the U.S. Navy. So though I had the grades to go to college, I just thought that going into the military was going to help me maybe close a gap to figure out what I wanted to do. So I did four years in communications, kind of started my career. I actually, interestingly, in the Navy found that I advanced into leadership positions really quick. So I kind of at a young age realized I was probably going to be a leader, you know, once I got out of the military and then into the industry. So I started as Sprint back in 1996. So a long time ago for you folks out there, you know, labor laws were a little different, but yeah, I was a young, young, young man at that time. Did lots of technical roles in the, in the beginning. You know, the industry was booming back in the 90s. So, you know, got a chance to take leadership roles pretty young in my life. In fact, I think my first leadership role was 24 years old at Sprint. Wow. I think I was a director level at 27. So spent about nine years over there at Sprint and then the last 17 years at Verizon. And so it's been awesome. I've done all kinds of leadership roles from operations, technical roles, technical organizations to development roles. So I've been really, really blessed to have gotten a chance to work around some great people. Most of my journey success through my career has been about the people around me making me better. Um, very rarely mm-hmm. I make someone else better. So challenges in my career, you know, there's a ton of them. I think they probably follow the path of most. I would say that for me, you know, rolling out new technologies was difficult. You know, there's a lot of technologies that we work on that, you know, we were putting those technologies together as we we're rolling them out. So we're learning a lot and making adjustments. So, you know, you learn young in your career how to make quick, rapid adjustments. You know, we call it the fail fast model. It's rather fail fast and have a perfect product. You know, it kind of follows my leadership approach as well. That, that was a challenge. Uh, I didn't start getting my degree till my 30s. So I got my final degree when I was 39. So that helps me too sometimes when I'm mentoring folks to let, you know, folks that don't have degrees right out of college understand that, you know, there is a, a traditional path. Um, you know, I was doing that in the, you know, I was doing my day job as being an executive in an S&P 20 company at night trying to be a father or, you know, a decent father and my best I could do as a father. And then, you know, once everybody went to sleep, you know, working on their college degrees. So for folks out there that don't have a degree, um, keep working on it. Like don't give up on it. You know, there's, uh, you can do great things without a degree, but a degree is just going to give you more opportunities and open more doors. Lessons learned. Look, 
I've learned to respect, like respect itself for me. You know, it's not given, it's earned. So you've got to work a leader every day really hard on making sure you're earning the respect of your organization, taking accountability for the mistakes you make. Um, I make a lot of mistakes. You know, I'm proud of the mistakes I make. You know, I'm pretty transparent about the mistakes I make and then the things that I'm doing to be a better leader. So far from perfect, but I have a lot of passion to get better. Take a lot of risk early. Be willing to fail fast. You know, it's okay to fail. Like we're all fail. We fail all the time as leaders. You know, what, what matters is the plans we put around those failures to get better and then making sure that in the future, you know, we don't want to repeat the same failures. I don't have answers to most questions. I tell people all the time. That's why I have big <laughs> organizations, really diverse thinkers. They come around and solve quite the problems for me. You know, usually I'm the one throwing the problems out and leading on the incredible organization and people I'm around to go solve the problems in this industry. And then, you know, ultimately the lesson I try to start my mentorships uh, lessons with is I really, really, it's really simple. I try to approach every employee and treat them the way I'd want to be treated if I was on the flip side. You know, just be the human aspect, being, you know, empathetic, not trying to solve every problem they have and making sure that I'm listening to the advice. I'm, I'm being mentored probably more by mentees than they realize during my mentor sessions. Oh, that's incredible content. Like everything you just said could be in a book. I, <laughs> I love hey, well, it. I'm love available it. out there. If somebody's looking for, you know, a book they want to write, it might be a short one with a lot of pictures, but I'm willing to, uh, <laughs> you know, spend some time if somebody wants to write about that. I love it. So now your current role at Verizon, talk about that just a bit and how many people are currently on your team? Okay. Yeah. So look, I have a fairly decent sized organization. I have about 1,250 employees, you know, that adjust probably every day, about 500 additional contractors that I'm responsible. I have kind of the design and performance aspect, uh, as well as the deployment of the radio access network, along with the fiber network. So it's a big organization, a lot of real estate, a lot of responsibility, but it's an awesome job, man. It's probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. I'm super blessed on that perspective. Wow. So, you know, when I think of transformational and engaging leadership, like I think of you, I mean, your picture is, is if we still had dictionaries, it would be right next to those words in the dictionary. So what's it like to be on your team? What's the culture, the environment? Uh, it's a great question. Look, every day I'm, I'm developing as a leader. So I, I would never want anyone to think that I have by far a lot of the answers. So the culture of my team is, look, I, it's, it's all about the 1,250 employees that are here. Um, the culture really is. And if you look behind me, there's a word cloud uh, that was put together by organizations. So we did an exercise at the end of last year, and we gave everybody an opportunity to kind of provide a word or a phrase that they thought best laid out either the culture or the objectives of our organization, kind of who we want to be or continue to be. So you, you can see all the words in there. I played a really small part of that word cloud, so I didn't adjust any of it. Ultimately, that's what the team put together. And what's important about that is that's what's important for my culture. If my organization is it's about all of us as a whole organization. It's not about the leaders. Check our egos at the door. We make sure that every 1,250 employees' voice is heard at some aspect, making sure that they have a way to contribute to the uh, team. Look, I hire great employees. My job is to get out of their way and let them go do incredible things. And they do that. And I have to keep that in mind all the time because I'm eager to be involved and to learn and to challenge the organization to be better, which I do all that. But I have to remind myself often that man, I have great employees. My job is to get out of their way and let them do the magic. And they do incredible magic. I put the word family in there. I think of my organization as a family. 
you know, it occasionally could have some dysfunction, but generally, man, we rally around each other. Uh, we pick each other up when we fall down. You know, some days we have good days. Some days we have bad days. We celebrate successes. We show empathy. Sometimes we, 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 we bond together when there's um, disaster. We make sure we rally. There's no challenge in front of us that we can't get through as an entire organization. It's important that we're an organization of integrity. We make sure that we really understand the, the vision of the importance and value of customers and putting the customer first in almost everything that we do. Even when you know things get complicated, we always kind of circle back to how is this going to impact the customer? And we should be asking that question all the time. It's important to me that we have a lot of fun here. We spend more time at work, at least awake probably during the week than we do with our families. Um, so we want it to be a fun environment. We work really hard. We set really lofty objectives, but we, have, we want to have fun while we're doing it. And, uh, you know, we want, to, we want to make sure that we're always curious and hungry to go learn something new. Mm. Um, we play a part of our communities, you know, through volunteerism. And we build a team that looks like the communities that we live and the, the customer base that we solve uh, for mm. our problems for networks. So, hey, look, how many people in this world, and I remind my organization this all the time, can have an impact on 120 million people every day? That's a burden sometimes because that means we've really got to bring our A game every day, but it sure is something pretty incredible to celebrate. So that tells you a little mm-hmm. bit about the culture of my team. Wow, that, that's, that's incredible. So how would you describe your personal leadership philosophy? And you know, what is it, in your opinion, what makes a great leader? Uh, what makes a great leader? Yeah, look, first of all, you know, a great leader is one that realizes they don't have the answers to the problems that are out there. Um, but the answers are easily found when you take the opportunity to utilize the power and energy of the entire organization. So that's important to me. You know, we're always evolving as leaders. Every day I'm evolving. You know, I'm not the leader I was 20 years ago. The leader I'll probably lead this industry as will be hopefully a much better leader than the leader today. You know, I'm always setting the standard each day to get better. I'm realizing that there's a lot of opportunities. I really, really want to make sure that people create an environment around me and the organizations I'm a part of that you can bring your authentic self to work every day. So we don't have to hide behind who we're not and just say who we are and love each other for who we are. Um, really have a lot of respect. You know, diversity is super important to me. It comes in so many forms and I don't do it for the traditional reasons. I do it because I've learned a long time ago that groupthink is like probably one of the worst things that can happen in an organization part of that I'm a part of. And I want folks out there every day challenging the way I think as a leader, challenging me get together. I always tell um, my team, I'd like to start the year January 1st on performance improvement plan with them. And my job is to work my way out of that improvement plan through the year as a leader. And, you know, you can ask maybe a couple more comment on this story at the end if I've done a good job this year so far. If not, let me just highlight that. Let's back up a second. So you said you start out on a performance plan as a leader every year. So wait, talk about that a little bit more. That's fascinating. Yeah, so look, I always treat like every day, I have to come here and earn the credibility and respect of my team. And the the things that I did last year were good enough for last year. They're not gonna be good enough for this year. Every year I've gotta find something to do better that's gonna make the team around me better. Um, I have, you know, people always say, well, you're, you're a vice president, you know, it's a great job, great money, right? Sure, all that, all that's there. But what's important is, a, is realizing as a leader, I have a tremendous responsibility to my organization to help the team get better. 
by first, I have to show as a leader by example that I'm willing to get better. And I work on that very, very hard. I mean, we run to crises in this organization. Most people get nervous when there's crisis. And, you know, look, I wish there was no crises, but they're out there. And every day when we see one, we want an organization that's going to run to it. We're going to put the entire 1,250 employee workforce behind it, and we're going to go solve problems. And together we can do that. Look, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to continue to learn from them. I know I've talked about it a bunch of times. You know, if you're going to come into my organization, you're going to understand we're going to make a lot of mistakes. And that's because we're not going to study things too long. We're going to react to them. We're going to react to them with uh, facts and data, but along with that, with the experience of the team. And then, like I said, there's no problem we can't solve together. Wow. So I'm curious, what happens when someone doesn't perform? And, you know, what do you do for that individual? Or I know that you've got such a, you know, leaders beneath you, and you've got all of these, you know, different people that can help with that. But what's your philosophy on when people fail to perform? Yeah, so look, it happens when you have a big organization for lots of different reasons. Yeah, it's not the the fun part of the job sometimes dealing with it. So what I think number one is important is we address the problems early. You know, we always have to, as leaders, be empathetic in the beginning. And what I mean by that, and empathy can be confused, but it's really listening to what's going on. I mean, often when an employee who has strong performance suddenly has a shift in performance, there's usually something going on in their life that we at least need to be empathetic to and understand and factor that into whatever decisions we're making to help the employee. We have tremendous resources here at Verizon to help employees. But generally, something's changed in their life. And I can relate to that. Five years ago, I went through a divorce. And um, it was tough trying to go through a divorce and still come to work with my big, shiny, smiley face every day, (laughs) um, knowing that there was a lot of stress there. So so that's number one. Number two, you know, we get them the resources when, when issues are happening. You know, those can be through resources at the company, but they could be as simple as training. There's a whole bunch of things. So it's kind of putting an action plan together with that individual employee making sure that we're visiting those action plans and that we're looking at measured success and, you know, occasionally making sure that, you know, that this is still the right environment for an employee. And I know that sounds harsh, but, you know, the environment can change where, you know, it's, it's better to address that early and often versus letting it fester. But, you know, what I see is probably 90% of the time when we have those types of issues, if we rally around the employee and we figure out what's going on and we, we work with them, and as long as they want to, to reciprocate, usually the outcome's positive. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally we have the, the tougher decisions that need to take place. That's a responsibility yeah. as a leader. It's not something I love, but, you know, if, if we have to go down those paths, you know, we have to be prepared as leaders to do that too. Um, ultimately, yeah. I have a obligation to the shareholders of this company and to the employees around me to make sure that, you know, I'm pushing everybody to bring their A game and do their part in the organization. Mm. You know, you have such a transparency as a leader, and I know that's so important to employees and and candidates and, you know, definitely from where we're looking from, you know, as a staffing firm, candidates always love that transparency. So you, I heard that you have an all hands meeting once a month. And I'm just curious, what is your intention behind this? What do you think it does for the team and for the company? 
Yeah. Like that's so, a lot of people, Philip. That's a lot of people, it is a lot of to, people. to have on one call. <laughs> it is a lot of people, you know, so I wish all 1250 showed up. Uh, you know, we probably average 85, 90% of the organization, you know, people are on vacation. So look, with that said, it's really important. I do a lot around making sure the employees of my organization understand what's going on in the business. There's a lot changing every day in the business, the, um, in the ecosystem, and so the all hands it really is my opportunity to get in front of the employee base. Uh, we call it real talk. Um, so, you know, transparency is important to me. Uh, yeah, that's a double-edged sword. I will tell people it's easy to say people want transparency. They just don't want it about themselves. Um, so um, <laughs> now, um, with that said, we try to be very transparent. So we go in there and we talk about things that have happened in the last month in the organization, changes, you know, tough discussions, decisions. We make sure that we highlight celebrations of individuals and teams during those meetings. We're talking about any changes to any of the pillars in the organization, if it's customer, shareholder, you know, we're always having to make adjustments. You know, we have real talk discussions around topics that are happening like right now. You know, we'll have a real talk meeting coming up next Wednesday, and we'll talk about some of the violence in the Asian community and how we're an organization that doesn't support violence. And we'll rally around each other and we'll make sure that our Asian brothers and sisters in this organization understand that that's not tolerated and we will support them. We'll be around each other and for each other, there for each other during tough times. You know, May coming up is Asian Heritage Month. So we'll celebrate Asian our Heritage Months. You know, we celebrated Women's History Month. We try to make sure in there that we focus on pioneers in the industry, you know, maybe generations before us to the individuals in our organization today that are pioneers. And so we try to highlight a few of those. Those are pretty fun. A couple of those you can see, we try to put those on LinkedIn as well. You know, we're making sure that we're celebrating our successes and we're um, talking about the issues that sometimes are really difficult to talk about, even business-wise that are taking place. We have a Q&A session. I make sure that I'm answering the questions directly from the employees. Whatever I can't get to at the end of the meeting, we'll capture and uh, follow up within 24 hours on an email. So it's really about, in my organization, making sure that people have access to me. My job is to, um, like I said, get out of their way. So when there's things that I'm doing that are getting in their way of the businesses, I'm answering those questions and I'm helping remove roadblocks and obstacles. There's lots of other ways. I, you know, I have a website internally that the team can ask me questions at any time. There's a lot of, that's a, a place for data where we capture meetings like this for replay. We make sure that we're celebrating all of the great things going on in the business. You know, there's a lot we do. Look, I try to make sure every employee gets a birthday email from me um, mm -hmm. every year. There's a few employees that may opt out of that for lots of reasons. We surely don't want to pressure anybody. They get an anniversary card every year that has a annual year that they've been here. So 17, like I would give my 17th year one, goes on a license plate that we've given an employee. So employees kind of have these license plates with the years they've been here. It's just a way to recognize, again, the incredible work and time and effort they put into making us a great company. Uh, we make sure that new employees, they get an email from me directly, welcome into the business, talking about the culture of our entire organization, resource guides for the business, and just making sure that I have that one-on-one -on -one connection with every employee. It's, mm -hmm. I wish I could every day talk to every employee, but I make sure I'm accessible. Anybody can text me in my organization and set up time. I'll call them. We'll make sure we're making time. Um, it's all about mm -hmm. just making sure uh, we lean on each other. But so that's kind of a little bit about my real talk meetings and they're pretty exciting for me. And we get a lot of, a lot of uh, traction there. So. So developing people, right, is one of the challenges for leaders. And, you know, they, you know, it's tough. It's like, how do I attract, 
retain, develop, and make sure that I can you know, develop people enough to where they'll stay and they feel engaged. That's actually the number one reason why people leave jobs is because there's no future, there's no development, they don't see it, you know, they just don't see that their company's investing in them. So I know that you do this well and Verizon does this well. So tell me a little bit about how do you develop talent or people and how do you develop leaders then too? Yeah, so it's a great question. So you hit the nail on the head with, uh, I'm very fortunate. I have a company that this is a huge priority at Verizon for. Mm -hmm. So there's a credible amount of resources there. So what I do is I make sure that we have a strong bench. We're always working on that bench that's replenishing the leaders that are leaving, the leaders that are jumping to different organizations, even the ones that are transitioning out of the business. Look, I'm always doing my best. Part of why I invest so much time into employees is I don't really want too many employees to leave the organization. It's okay if they're leaving for promotion, you know, within Verizon, but I don't want people leaving Verizon too often. So I'm making sure I'm investing to try to minimize those impacts. We have programs, lots of different programs in the company. I have quite a few just in my organization, you know, some of the top talent, making sure that we're getting them in our leadership meetings. So they get some exposure to what it's like to be in a director meeting you know, especially a two-day director meeting where we're going through lots of different organizational enhancements, improvements, and discussions around technology and making it a better workforce or a better place for people to work. Those leadership meetings can be intense for two days. I want them to experience that ahead of time, make sure that's something they want to do for the next step, making sure that we're giving them special projects so they can go out and show their leadership and learn you know, setting up mentorships, you know, it's important that employees have mentors. And, you know, I remind people that mentors aren't always about connecting with the next level or two of leader, but it's about finding someone that's going to help you grow every day in your current position. And it's okay to fire a mentor. Um, you know, I have lots <laughs> of mentees. I don't have a problem if one of them wants to fire me. If I'm no longer adding the value that they need, maybe it's for the next position. That's okay. But I just making sure that we have programs that are putting employees in front of business challenges and letting them go solve them, making sure we're doing mock interviews all the time with our top talent employees. You know, we sit as a leadership panel, we go through, we give really strong feedback and it's not easy. We remind them that, you know, feedback's a gift. Uh, we do it sometimes with transparency, but the intention is with love to make them understand we're trying to make them better. So they're going to hear some really tough feedback in those interviews, but the, that feedback if they go back and make the adjustments, we'll make them stronger candidates as they start to progress in their career. You know, we want to build confidence in our leaders. You know, it's it's simple. It's easy to say that, you know, hey, I want to be a leader. It's harder to build the confidence in folks so that they're really ready to go make those, those big steps moving forward. So, Philip, I know that mentorship, you've mentioned it a few times just today. I know mentorship is important to you. In fact, I know a couple of your mentees that are just wildly successful. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about that because mentorship is so, so important in order for people to grow in their careers. So tell me about the formal as well as the informal mentorship that you do and you also have I, I, the one-on-one -on -one mentoring as well, where it's that you have a program like that. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, that's great. Look, mentorship is, I'm, I'm so blessed to be a mentor. I can't say that enough. And I remind people, even my mentees, that I don't have the answers to their problems. All I do is have perspective. Um, and if they're able to listen to the perspective and utilize just a small part of it to solve their problems, 
that's great. But the reality is they already have the answers. All I'm going to do is give them hopefully a path or two to success. So I have internal mentees, probably a dozen within the company that I actually have a formal program. So they're on my calendar. We're meeting at some frequency and going through, you know, a formal program. And when I say formal, they're generally semi-informal sessions. Depends on the mentee and where their challenges are, what I'm probably running them through. They usually have a little bit of homework between sessions uh, to work on. Nothing that's going to overwhelm them. Just stuff to help them go build the building blocks. Externally, we've talked probably probably a dozen again out there in the industry. A fair amount of them have probably left Verizon, probably about half of them. Half of them I've met through the industry over the years. I was actually just talking to a mentee this weekend at PayPal and uh, she was running a challenge through uh, with it, into a challenge and we were catching up and it was pretty interesting because she was asking me for the solution, even though she was already telling me how to solve the problem. And I just reminded her, you, you've already told me how to do this. And then she was thinking like, yeah, you've made such a difference in my career and uh, responsible for her growth. And I reminded her, that's really not true. All I did is a couple of times give you a little bit different point of view and you actually solved all the problems yourself. So really you should be crediting yourself to 99.9% of your success. And, you know, uh, I'm sure if I share that 0.01% is with a lot of people. So it's just being there and providing that. What I'm most proud about or actually the one I have the most fun with is, you know, passionate to giving back to veterans, especially veterans that are transitioning. So I have a, a mentee right now, Corey, I won't say his last name because, you know, he may, uh, he may or may not want, you know, to be associated with me, but you know, he's a 27 year veteran coming out of the U.S. Army. Wow. You know, that's a scary thing when you've been in control your whole life in your career and suddenly you're going into the civilian role. So just helping him through lots of different exercises, prepare him for uh, corporate America, which he'll do outstanding. He'll be great. I told him, you know, you'll be so much better than I was when I came out. And you can do so many great things. And the world really needs that kind of leadership. It's a different type of leadership. And some companies are going to be really, really lucky. But again, it's just building those blocks. So Corey has confidence when he enters the workforce and he realizes that really at the end of the day, leadership's just about understanding each other and finding solutions to problems together. Hmm. So for people who want to find a mentor, how would you suggest going about it? I mean, do, do people, has pe- have people actually come to you and said, Philip, would you be my mentor or has it just happened organically? Like how should, you know, people in their careers approach someone to be their mentor? Yeah, you know what? I, I probably missed probably one of the most important things. And I'm glad you asked me this question because the mentorship is 100% on the back of the mentee. You as a mentee or as a person out there looking for mentors should absolutely be seeking out mentors. And it should, you should take the burden 100% on yourself to do that. Now, it's great if you're in an organization that there's formal programs and all that. But yeah, look, I think you go find people that have like paths to the journeys that you want to take and that you set up those formal relationships. You know, you do a, a one-on-one the first time you interview each other. And sometimes, often it will work out, but sometimes you've got to be honest with each other if it's not the right connection. If I was mentoring somebody right now in the nursing industry and it was their first week, you know, I might be able to give them some mentorship around leadership, but I surely would not understand the industry or help them with the path on how to progress in nursing, you know, so it probably wouldn't be a great connection, at least early on. So that's important that you're matching it. You know, it's funny, I probably mentor more women than men, and I don't know why that is. 
you know, I always remind women, for example, that it's good to have a male and a female mentor. Perfect example is I am not going to be able to relate to some of the challenges that women have gone through. Now I can from a theoretical perspective, but absolutely not from a real life perspective. Um, So there's things that I might not be able to help someone with, you know, I can figure out how to solve a a, a problem maybe, but I can't tell them how to navigate through a problem themselves or give them examples. So I think that's important, making sure you interview the person out there that you're wanting to have as your mentor. Yeah. It might sound really important. Hey, Phillip's my mentor. I'm going to be great. He's a VP, you know, (laughs) that doesn't mean that I'm going to be a great mentor for a lot of frontline employees. You know, I I usually want to match them with a manager or director that's gone through the path they're about to go through recently. I haven't been through that path in 20 something years. The industry has changed tremendously. The ecosystem, the environment, society, the pressure that's on us to be better social leaders, you know, be better leaders in our communities. All that stuff has changed so much since when I've been through that first step. I might not be a great mentor for a first level manager. Absolutely. It will take time to, to give them some coaching and some idea, but as far as a formal mentor, I might not be the best. So making sure you're just matching yourself. There's so many people out there that want to give back It's pretty easy to find mentors if you just ask. I promise you folks out there, if you're listening to this, there are so many leaders in this industry, man. It's such an honor to give back and just to share a little bit. But just keep in mind, they don't have the answers. All they're going to do is give you perspective to the problems that you're going to see and the opportunities on how to grow your career. Just ask. That's what I say. You You will not get anything unless you ask. So it's the first step. Philip, you talked a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm, I'm just curious, can you talk a little bit more on how do you foster inclusion on your team? Because I know it's a hot topic right now for leaders out there today. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, at, I've been pretty lucky in the aspect that I grew up in a fairly diverse environment in the neighborhood I grew up, and I grew up pretty diverse culture in the military. Neither one of them are perfect. In fact, I would argue today corporate America is not perfect. We've got still a lot of work to do. Now, with that said, there is a lot that can be done. And so what I think is, first, we understand why diversity is important. And we're honest with ourselves on what that means. And it can be a little different for each of us. Now, you know, I represent an organization as well. So my job is to explain the importance of diversity to 1,250 employees. And knowing that not every 1,250 employee is going to embrace that. Now, That doesn't mean they won't embrace it for the traditional reasons we might think of. It's because they might not understand it. And so, look, at the end of the day, what I try to do is make sure people understand that, number one, I have a customer base that's extremely diverse. If I'm going to represent that customer base and really have that connection with the customer like I should, then I need to look like them, think like them, act like them. And those are going to be different, those folks that we're representing as customers. The same thing goes for my leadership team. I have a very diverse organization. It's not perfect uh, work to do. I talk about it very transparently with my organization on the areas that I'm focusing on to get better. But our leadership team needs to look diverse, needs to look a lot like the employee base. And so it's important to me that we're focusing on that. We're identifying the areas where we have gaps. We're going out and solving those gaps. I'm partnering up in the industry right now in a lot of areas in this way and how we divert, you know, find new talent that's diverse, you know, companies like yours. It's got to be a priority for a company like that, that we're working with today and in the future that we're bringing in diverse talent. And it's not for the namesake of diversity. It's for the fact that we're working on programs that help grow the diversity numbers in ways that will add value both to the person being developed and to the company. Um, So that's important to me. It's super important, but it's really talking about the why it's important. And we've got to go out there and keep challenging ourselves. You know, it used to be easy 10 years ago to just say, well, 
you know, it's okay not to have a close to 50% workforce because we're engineers and women, there's just not as many women engineers. You know, it was such an easy cop-out 10 or 12 years ago. That's not acceptable today. There's no way you should accept that as a leader. There are so many great ways to go out there and find female, Black, Asian, yeah. Latino, or, you know, so many different ways, or I should say Latinx now, of folks out there. And so we just need to continue to keep working on that in the industry. And it's going to take a lot of small wins to get to the bigger wins. There's no magic wand. I wish there was. But we, yeah. we at Verizon and I know in my organization, we keep looking at that metric and we keep seeing improvement. And what's incredible is my organization gets better every time I do that. So what a win for me as a leader. I'm bringing diversity. I'm getting better as an organization. And I can see that in so many different ways. It's pretty awesome. Wow. Action. That's the key. And you're taking action and it's behind your commitment. You know, I've heard, Philip, that digital inclusion is also one of your key commitments. What does that mean to you? And then how do you express that? Yeah. So look, look, digital inclusion is big in the industry right now. You know, it's big in government. You know, we have a big state government spare scheme that we partner up. So I let them um, make sure that they focus in that area. But digital inclusion comes down to making sure we really are taking and leveraging all the technology. We have so many technologies out there today, at least at Verizon, that we're in the midst of deploying a couple of critical ones. Um, and making sure that as, as we look at our opportunities, that we're always keeping the, the fact in mind that digital inclusion is important. It's probably never been more important coming, we're going through the COVID pandemic and seeing just the shift in workforce, looking at the shift of schooling and making sure that we um, as a company are leveraging all our resources to bring all the power of technology to all communities an equal form that allows the communities to grow, especially when we come out of COVID. The world will look a little different. It won't look like the world before we came into COVID. It surely, hopefully, won't look like the world in COVID. We're starting to come out of it now. We know it's going to be different. And making sure that we continue to build on those blocks so that everybody has access to the technologies that are available. So it's important to us that we have those conversations at local tables within our communities we're meeting with community leaders. Um, we do a lot of that through our community out resource, our outreach teams. But it, we as a network team are playing a part of those meetings. And we're out there and we're listening to what the communities are saying, listening to where their challenges are, making sure that when we have the resources that we can apply, that we're making sure those resources are clear to those communities. It's incredible when you do that. And the reward of seeing a community's reaction to companies that care is priceless, man. There's not too many things that, at least for me as a leader, will pull at the heartstrings more than watching a community, you know, thank you for listening to what they had to say and have, finding ways to solve their problems. So I'm lucky to work for a company that this is a, is a, is a priority for. So pretty fortunate that way. Yes. Yes, you are. Definitely. With community involvement and engagement and uh, volunteering. And I know this is something that's important to you. And we talked a little bit about it earlier. So I want to know, how do you facilitate this, this engagement, this volunteering? But most importantly, in today's remote world, and I know that not all of your team members sit in the same city as you. So how do you facilitate this culture of giving back when people are spread out? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, if you look at the chart behind me, it's actually one of the bigger words there, which means it means a lot to our employees. So I think, first of all, you have to start with realizing most employees already are giving back in some form. So it's already important to them. 
That's number one. Number two, the younger generation, it's so much more important when they're looking at companies that they realize the companies integrate into their personal lives and their personal beliefs. Um, a lot of that is around volunteerism, community outreach, giving back to the communities you're a part of. It's really important for this younger generation that are coming through. And so you know, companies that choose to ignore it, well, you're just going to lose on the opportunity getting some of the best employees out there. The ones that take this serious are going to get some of the great employees. So now all that said, that's the greedy fellow leader perspective. The awesome part of mine is when you go out to these communities and you make a difference, what it means to them. So what we do here is we have diverse, we have volunteer challenges in the business and the organization, you know, rise. And I think our goal is to four hours per employee per year, such a small number. My goal is to blow way past that. We probably, we will blow past that this year by far. But we do a weekly, we try to do a monthly event as an organization. So all 1200 of us try to get on there. You know, the, that, the success rate of that can, you know, be as high as seven, 800. It could be as low as 200. Don't let, you know, by the way, if you're a leader out there and you're saying well, 200 out of 1200 is not great, that's outstanding. Don't ever like it. just two people, one person out there doing something matters. Yes. You know, as I said earlier, we're going to solve problems in this world by small blocks, not by big magical solutions. Now, great if we have magical solutions out there. So we do these walks. We give people time to get on, for example, on a walk. We'll take a, we'll take on a tough challenge next month. We will actually, so this month we'll do something around Earth Day on, I believe that's April 22nd. Uh, sorry for folks out there if I got that date wrong, um, but I think it's really close to there. So we'll do an, an event there. We'll actually go in my organization and pick up trash um, oh. for an hour. On that, we'll all be on video and we'll have discussions and we'll talk about what this means to us, why it's important. Why is it important to be out there for an event like this? Why two bags of trash that we each collect, what a difference we can make. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a lot in our calls about how things impact each of us differently. So we'll go into Asian Heritage Month in May and we're going to have some tough discussions on that month with the stuff that's going on in the communities around us. And we're going to address it right there and we're going to talk about we have no, no, no tolerance for things like hatred in Verizon, in my organization, how we rally around each other. We'll share stuff. You know, there'll be an Asian community member on my team that will probably share a story that will bring most of us almost to tears. And that's the kind of organization we'll have. But we'll learn from that person and we'll learn how to understand the next time we see one of our brothers or sisters out there to maybe just think a little differently that maybe their path isn't that much different than the path of the Black community that we spent so much time talking about last year. Um, but what's yes. most important is we're rallying around each other. We're talking about how much we care for each other. We let ourselves know there's a community. I mean, I can't say enough. With LGBTQ, last year, I had an employee come out. I mean, the outpouring in my organization for the love of her. And I won't mention her here because maybe she, it's her story to tell. But when she told that story there, People were in tears and she got such an outpour of love from people just letting her know that didn't know her that, you know, directly because of big organization, how much we're there for each other. And those things matter. And those things you can't teach. And I try to tell you, there's a lot of things I can teach. I can't teach a culture that is 1,250 yeah. employees creating this. It surely is not me. Sorry if I ramble. No, no, it's, I love it. And I love, you've said multiple times, we're there for each other. And I'm really moved by that because that in itself says it all, you know, it's we're there for each other. And it's important, you know, we spend the majority of our time being alive at work, right? Or working. 
And I think, you know, the, the principles that you're that you're talking about and and the culture that your team has created and you've created, I mean, it's just such a beautiful life to, you know, to be in, involved with a culture like that where where everyone is out for each other's best interest and in lifting each other up. So it's just awesome. I, uh, I love it. I could talk to you forever. Um, I, I want to ask you, though, I'm curious if you could give one piece of advice to, let's say, a young person entering their career in telecom or technology, what would it be? I give them one piece of advice. God, I got so many things I would tell them. But you know what I would tell them? What's most important? Make sure you're having fun early because if you're not having fun early, it won't be fun later. So find something that's fun that you're passionate about. And that's okay to make a few adjustments until you find that. But don't just chase a job, chase a career and make sure that career is something you love doing. So that'd probably be the mm. one thing. I have a whole bunch mm. of two and threes right behind that. That is, that's, that's amazing. We might have to do a few more episodes to, to get through everything. <laughs> what piece of advice would you give to an aspiring leader? Someone who's not in leadership now, but they really want to get into leadership. Make sure you take that path forward fully in your own control. Don't let someone else dictate or control that for you. Take absolute control of that future now. Make sure you're paving the way. Use your mentors to help you on doing that, but be a trailblazer. Don't be a follower. Make sure that you're taking a hold of your own career. Don't let your leaders do that. Make sure you own that. Please make sure. And I tell people that all the time. That is great advice. Great advice, Philip. We have to do a follow-up episode for sure, or a webinar, or maybe I'll write the book with you. This is exciting. I'm like, there's so much valuable content here. Philip, I'm sure that I know that I am so excited about what you've created and hearing the culture on your team, as well as the culture at Verizon. Where can we go to find out more about jobs, open jobs at Verizon? Yeah, so we'll post a couple of links, but one of them, you know, is you can just go to verizon.com backslash about backslash careers. Um, That's a great place to start. We're always looking for folks to come join Verizon. There's always opportunities. It's a fun culture. And just kind of keep in mind, even if it's not the organization's culture is what you want it to be, each one of you can change that by just making sure you're playing an active part of driving the culture to what you want it to be. And again, I can't state enough about the culture of my organization. It's not about me. It is not. I did not create this culture. All I did is open a door. And man, this culture here is about the total organization. We're far from perfect, but every day we're going to get a little bit better. And man, we're going to make sure that when we do that, we're having a lot of fun. Wow. This has been a pleasure, Philip. Thank you so much for being on the show and I know I learned a lot and I'm going to re- I'm going to listen to this recording over and over again, take notes and implement this. And maybe I'll call you to be my mentor. So hey, <laughs> I would welcome that. Hey, look, uh, thank you for letting me have this opportunity for the folks out there. Look, if you could just take one little tidbit and it makes a difference. Great. You know, not everything that I say here is going to work for you. That's okay. But I will tell you, it's, it's a pleasure to talk about this. It's a pleasure to be part of a, a time in my life where I can give back more and I could share through wisdom and experience. You know, it's the ultimate reward for a great career is just the ability to share what I know. So with that said, thank you so much for letting me have this thank opportunity. You. They usually don't let me out of the think tank too much. So um, I'm glad <laughs> thank to have you, that Philip. opportunity. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I truly appreciate you and we will do a follow-up. So talk soon and take care. 
Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.